Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage, where I have a chat with Chloe Lai, who goes around Hong Kong interviewing people for the online magazine The Urban Diary, full of people who aren't famous names, but are artisans, farmers, shopkeepers, among others, plus those looking to preserve festivals and other key heritage aspects of our city. I'm Chloe Lai. Um, I'm the person behind um, this online magazine called the Urban Diary. Urban Diary is financed by a private foundation called Integer Foundation. So um, the foundation was set up to promote um, sustainability in Hong Kong. And then we have this project called the Urban Diary. So basically, we document and advocate um, sustainable practice in Hong Kong. Um, and then we also want to build a database on people who's practicing sustainability in Hong Kong um, because we believe that um, Hong Kong have changed, Hong Kong has changed significantly uh, maybe over the past 10 years because in the past, I think it all began with uh, SARS and how it changed everybody. Um, that people used to think uh, Hong Kong like we used, we are very short-sighted and money-minded, that sort of thing. But then um, Hong Kong has reached a stage that people think about um, the long-term wellness of of the city. Uh, so there are many, many people they have started um, on their own, um, doing things on a daily basis that make Hong Kong more sustainable. And then also because of their... Um, practice, Hong Kong is actually more diverse and more attractive and interesting. So that's how we started this project. We want to document these people that um, they're men and women on the street. Um, you, they do not look uh, handsome or profound or whatever, but then they are very down to earth and, and dignitant. So we want to document these people. We want to build a database and then through this database, uh, we can present Hong Kong um, in a way that uh, people don't usually associate with, and that's that's my work. So, in fact, through Urban Diary, you're coming across a whole bunch of uh, people on the street who, who are often artisans or yes. just doing small businesses. And as you say, yes, that's not... Uh, the uh, the look of Hong Kong that, that we associate with it, with the brand names and uh, this sort of thing, but it is also an integral part of Hong Kong. So give me an example. I mean, I know that you've covered a lot of people now and we had you before on the program a few months ago to talk about a pro- project in Sham uh, Po. but uh, tell me about perhaps some of the more recent people that you've interviewed for it. I interviewed a man, um, an elderly that uh, he's called Sai Sok and then Sai Sok is a very is an important figure in in his part of Central. Okay, let me begin it um, this way. If you ever go to Central or Soho area on the 14th of July, that is uh, the lunar calendar, then you probably notice that um, at the daytime a a group of Tao priests, they're dressing, of course, in their Tao robe, and then they chant and walk around and pray in Soho area. So it is fascinating. I mean, that Soho, that is probably the most um, so-called westernized 
part of Hong Kong, right? Pubs and restaurants and galleries and and boutiques and and then suddenly a group of Tao's pre- uh, Tao's priests praying, chanting. So it is something like you know the space and times, some sort of mixing, um, two different world. But then if you dig into the history, and you will find that actually they are the people that's been living in working in that part of Central many, many years um, is before the war. And then that part of Central used to be very different from what we see or experience every day nowadays. Uh, there, there are mom and pop stores, meat stores, fish stores, vegetable stores, congee stores, very grassroots, very down-to-earth things. So we interviewed this person that people call him Sai Sok, and then he's in his 60s and already. And then he's been in charge of the Hungry Ghost Festival for more than 20 years. And the fact is before he he's take charge of, of this Hungry Ghost Festival ceremony, he was born and grew up in Central and then he had his own business in Central. And then, um, well, I think his story is actually the story of Soho before we know the place is called Soho. In the past, it's called 30 Houses. And then this Saisok we interviewed, um, his father used to run a number of rice stores in that part of Central. Um, there is a convenience store um, at Staunton Street. And that store used to be the rice store that run by his father. So they have a number of rice stores in Central. But the thing is, you know, supermarket came and then rice no longer sold in rice store. They sold in packages and in and, and, and supermarket. So his father floated all his business. So he had to start it all over again. He became a coolie to earn enough money for to support his family. And eventually, and he was also selling congee on the street and noodle on the street. And eventually he saved up enough money and opened his own congee and noodles store. So this is the father again? No, this is the son. The person that, that I interviewed and then the person who is in charge of the Hungry Ghost Festival in, in the Soho area. So he began selling congee and selling noodles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he selling congee and selling noodles and then he opened a congee and noodle shop and then he opened a little a small restaurant and then and then after he got old he he closed his business and then he just enjoyed life and then one of the things he's doing is run this um, Hungry Ghost Festival every year. And although they just do it once a year, but actually it is um, it is a work that takes a whole year to prepare because um, he he can't do it on himself. He needs the support of all the guy fong. Uh, but then, because Central is so developed, so different from what he, the Central that he grew up, so that old story came back again, urban renewal, redevelopment, people moved out, scattered in different corners of Hong Kong. So the Hungry Ghost Festival once a year becomes an occasion that this elderly reunion. And then also he has to raise enough money to, to put that together. Um, he have to maintain that, that, Fabric between these scattered elderly, so in order that they will come back um, every year and put together that whole festival 
um, the whole thing of having a hungry ghost festival, although it may sound scary in the first place, right? Ghost. But the, <laughs> but the thing is, it is actually wishing through the ceremony um, that feeding the hungry ghost, they hope that the whole community will be good and well and healthy. Everybody will be trouble and accident free. So it is all these things, right? And then that's why it has the support of the community, all the shops and shop owners and residents. And so they donate money for the activity. This summer, when it was on, uh, right. during that nice sweaty weather, you were out there with your video camera actually recording some of this. Right, right. We made a video um, on, on the Hungry Ghost Festival because we really want to keep this very important cultural heritage um, want to keep a record on it, on what it is about and how it takes to put it together and the problems that, or the challenges that, that it is facing. So um, so we made a video and then we'll be showing it at the 30 House um, office next Friday evening. It borders Staunton Street and Aberdeen Street. Okay, well I'll give those details at the end of the programme. In terms of these sustainable heroes, give me two or three. Okay, uh, we interview quite a number of um, urban farmers. Um, the urban farmers come from very diverse background. They are IT consultant called urban, turned urban farmers, taxi driver turned urban farmers, or, or businessmen turned urban farmers. So you can see that for those who are practicing organic farming in Hong Kong, their background is actually very diverse, and then they have a whole philosophy on why they're doing organic farming in Hong Kong. And then... Um, so how do they do it on their roofs if they're urban no, farming? No, no, they, they <laughs> no, they have a farm actually, uh, but they're urban nice. Yeah, uh, they're um, yeah. People ask me about that, and they're urbanites, and then but um, uh, they're also um, active on helping all those um, uh, rooftop farming in different parts of Hong Kong because they gain sustainable uh, substantial knowledge through farming. So they have farms in the new territories, and then they have um, they grow, they sell the vegetables, and and they also run education programs. They run outreach programs at schools, um, or come with working with corporates, um, helping them to grow their rooftop farmings or university rooftop farmings, and and then um, well. We also interview people selling secondhand books, uh, and then there are also a number of young people that we have interviewed that they're doing very meaningful things. Um, we interview a young architect, and and he's he's graduated already. But when I was talking to him, he was still a student, and then he used all his holiday to go to Cambodia, and to help the local the village community to build schools, and then instead of using concrete. Um, and metal to build schools. They learn from the local craftsmen to build schools that is using local material, wood, grass, straws. We also interview a young lady. She's actually still in university. And then she took a gap year last year and traveled to Indonesia, Malaysia, and interned in, in those, um, in social enterprises in those places and help, um, and use her, his her knowledge in Hong Kong um, to to help help people in those local community. And earlier this year, it was the Valentine's Day, and then she started this program. 
she asked the people. She was in Indonesia, in Java, and then there's this village that the whole village used to be silversmith, but then it was the Bali bombing, and then subsequent things happened that that totally destroyed the goldsmith industry of that village. So the young, the goldsmith. They have to work in. They have to leave the village, work in other places to earn a living. And the young people, even though they want to become a goldsmith, their family strongly oppose this idea. And then, so a group of young people in that village wants to start a social enterprise that can help this、um, the young people to become the goldsmith.、Um, Um, keep that tradition, the craft. So she came up with the idea that why don't we make a number of rings, silver rings, and those silver rings based on real stories in that village, love stories, and then sell these rings back to Hong Kong in order to raise enough money for them to start. That business, so we feature all these different people, right?、Uh, people. So, how, do you know how that's developed? That's a lovely idea. So, these silver rings, and then these stories of romance, and of course, Hong Kongers love Valentine's Day. Right, exactly. Well, they sold out. All the wings <laughs> were sold out.、Um, they they got the money they they need to to start that 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 social enterprise.、Um, and then the girl moved on. She went to other parts of of Southeast Asia. And then she came back to Hong Kong after that gap year, and then she's now at Hong Kong U. So she's pondering,、um, what shall I do after graduation?、Uh, because this is her final year at Hong Kong U. So we have all these interesting people, right? Very inspiring young people, or very dignified middle-aged people, or very dignified elderly. So all these people that you don't normally, well, they're actually a very normal person. Maybe they're just. Uh, close to you, right? Your friend, but you may not know that they're doing these profound things for Hong Kong. My thanks to Chloe Lai of the Urban Diary. Chloe has a website for her interviews in both Chinese and English. The website is at www.urbandiarist.com. That's www.urbandiarist.com. If you'd like to go and see her 20-minute documentary about the Hungry Ghost Festival. That's on Friday, October the thirty-first at eight p.m. at Thirty Houses on the ground floor of sixty-two Staunton Street. Thanks for listening, and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs> <laughs>